The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. I am Brandon. He is Corbin. Good to have my co-host back on for the second time. And I'm going to apologize in advance. One, because the audio is not as good as it normally is. And I can explain that. I'm actually in a Marriott hotel room in Cedar City, Utah. So I'm recording this at about 10 o'clock at night in Cedar City. Did not watch the Clippers game. That is number two for why I am sorry. Corbin did watch. So he's got us handled in terms of what he actually saw on the floor. But before we actually get to talking about the game, Corbin, what's up? How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on again. Happy to be on here breaking down this game. Well, I'm going to amend that. I wish I was happier being able to break down this game. But, um, hey, there's a lot of action to get to, so I'm here. Yeah, not great. I was following along a little bit, um, and the score was getting uglier and uglier in the first quarter when you only put up 15 points and you get outscored 30 to 15. That's never great. Uh, but before we break out, break up the game actually no break down the game wow so that's how we <laughs> talk for two hours and you're just doing a broadcast and play-by-play broadcast you just forget how to speak uh, this podcast like all our shows brought to you by our title sponsor hawaiian isles kona coffee company check out their website hawaiianisles.com on amazon by searching for hawaiian isles kona coffee or on twitter at high kona coffee all right let's talk this wasn't great it wasn't good at all corbin um i want to specifically speak about Kawhi leonard because it's been a little disturbing trend in the last 10 games or so where he's had several games where he's not shooting the ball well. Was he just taking bad shots, or was he defended well? What's the reason for his struggles? I kind of feel like it was a mix of both. Um, they really the, – the Bucks used a lot of um, Wesley Matthews on Kawhi, and strength-wise, he kind of fit the bill there. Um, Kawhi was still able to kind of muscle down and get to the mid-range area where he likes to get his shots, but he seemed to be unable to kind of get the bounce from getting down there to rising up. His bounce just seemed to be off. And I think it was a mix of that alongside the fact that those were some tough shots and the Bucks are really loading up for the mid-range game and, and kind of had a guy shading off of Kawhi when you had uh, Dante DiVincenzo or Wesley Matthews on him just to give him that extra look to make him think twice about the shot before he took it. So it, it kind of was a timing rhythm thing. I do think Kawhi probably could have taken some better shots, especially, you know, going in the beginning. I, I feel like certain shots he was going straight to the mid-range where he probably could have just pulled up. But um, I, I'm going to say it was a mix of both on that. The defense by the Bucks was was very good. I like the way they kind of schemed to not, you know, not – take him out of taking those shots entirely, but just make him think twice about it and get a tougher look off than he usually would. Just to give some more details on Kawhi, 5 of 14 tonight, 3 of 15 the previous game against Portland, who's 8 of 23 against San Antonio, 7 of 19 against New Orleans, 7 of 20 against Boston. I'm obviously skipping some games here. 2 of 11 against Toronto, 9 of 23 against Portland, and 9 of 26 against Utah. He has not been shooting the basketball well, especially with Paul George back. But we got to remember, these guys have not even played 10 games together. They've only practiced, I think, one or two times together. It's just been the way the schedule has broken down. So I'm not ready to jump off this Kawhi Leonard thing. And I hope nobody listening is, because it's really too early on. Way too many hot takes being shared. We'll talk about 
one specifically a little bit later <laughs> on in the podcast. Uh, but Paul George, too. I mean, Corbin, he wasn't great either. He had 13 points. He was 5 of 12 from the field. Didn't get to the free throw line at all, which is something that's very uncharacteristic of Paul George. Why did he struggle so much? I think his play seemed to be more passive to me. I mean, obviously, you know, having five turnovers will, will kind of take you out of it a little bit. And I feel like some of that was lack of timing, you know, still getting used to playing with these teammates, like you said, not having that chemistry with Kawhi. But a lot of his shots just seemed to be the missed shot variety. It wasn't like the defense was especially hard, um, at least from what I saw. He knocked down a couple of threes. He was able to get some good screening action um, kind of later in the game to kind of get those shots. But it just seemed like he was missing shots. And, you know, Paul George has those kind of games. I think that combined with the fact that he just did not do a great job as a primary ball handler when it was it's kind of time to do that. He had five turnovers and not a single assist all night. So he just seemed off rhythm. I think you could really say that for the Clippers in general. And that's kind of a weird thing to say, you know, getting juiced up for a matchup against the number one team in the East. But that's what it felt like. And Paul George, um, more specifically, was more of that to me. It wasn't like Kawhi in the sense that I felt that the Bucks were doing anything specifically to take him out. The Bucks played pretty stout defense all night. But George just, frankly, missed shots. And, you know, I, I can't even really get down on that. But it's not great to have that night from Paul George when Kawhi is also having just as bad a night. Yeah, Paul George normally is really aggressive. And for him not to get to the free throw line, it just shows you how Milwaukee really took him out of his rhythm and didn't let him do what he wanted. And you bring up a really good point. Five turnovers, no assists. That's not great. And to go even further, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, your three top scorers, each had five turnovers. That's not going to get it done. You have to be better offensively. You got to take care of the basketball. And frankly, you got to shoot better. And Milwaukee is a tremendous team. There's no doubt about that. They're 20 and 3 for a reason and 10 and 1 at home for a reason. They are a fantastic ball club. This group played together all of last year, so they know each other very well. I mean, without obviously Brogdon, who was hurt for most of last year, they they know what they're doing. They know their role. Giannis knows what he's doing. Eric Bledsoe knows what he's doing. Brooke Lopez knows his role. Chris Middleton is back and he's been good as well. This is a team in the Clippers that is still trying to figure itself out. It does worry me that they're struggling so much away from Staples Center. It's a very weird trend. They're now three and six on the road, and they're tremendous at home. So I don't know what is the reason for that, but it's definitely weird, Corbin. It is, and I'm kind of right there with you. I'm not really sure as to why. I mean, it's not like these players, several of them are are used to playing outside on the road and, you know, kind of getting – their production there. It's not like it's anything new to them. So that is a bit confusing. I don't even really have a theory to it, unfortunately. Um, It just feels like, I, I guess, the friendly confines of home seem to boost them up a little bit more. Or, I mean, role players always play better at home. And aside from Kawhi and Paul George, it is a versatile group of, of role players. So maybe as a collective, they kind of miss that energy. It's it's really hard to think about, but that is interesting. It's, it's kind of disconcerting to see, but... um. Hopefully they can right the ship there. I mean, fortunately, not every road game is going to be against the Bucks or anything, but it's not going to find some pushovers there either. And if you can't close the deal there at all or, or barely do that, that is troubling, to say the least. Yeah, and I said going into this road trip, I wanted to see the Clippers go 4-2. and two, And I was talking to Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film earlier in the week, and I said to him, you can't really have games in which Lou, Kawhi, and PG all aren't good if you don't have 
if you have a game where all three aren't good, you're going to lose. And this is exactly what happened tonight. Kawhi only 17, PG only 13, and Lou Williams only 11 points on 5 of 13 shooting. And Lou's been great passing the basketball recently. He's averaging around six assists per game, and he only had three tonight. So in general, not great when you have 18 assists on 33 made field goals. You look at the other side in Milwaukee, and they had 29 assists on 44 made field goals. Granted, they're 14 of 36 from three, while the Clippers were eight of 32. But you got to pass the ball better, and you got to have more open looks. Yeah, you said it. Simple as that. I mean, passing, getting that ball movement will create those open looks for shooters. And originally, you know, in the first quarter, uh, especially early, the Bucks could knock down a single shot from three. I think they started like one for four, one for five, but they finished like six out of eight. And you know, ball movement create those shots. Great rhythm, and that's something the the Clippers didn't have. And you know, when you're trying to generate offensive looks, as we all know, it's harder to do that if it's individual one-on-one play, you know, especially creating primarily at the mid-range and not getting the shots that you want, you know, that penetration that that opens up shots for other players that also can open up rim runs for a Montrezl Harrell. And, you know, the Clippers thrive over that. So when they're not doing that, players suffer. And that lack of movement, like you said, it plus the multitude of uh, turnovers, you know, in pursuit of that movement doesn't yield the most efficient offense. And, you know, playing a Bucks team that, you know, especially after the first quarter started cashing in some looks, it, it, it's not it's not great for them. It's not it's not great at all. One stat from our friend Jovan Buha at The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Jovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. So after three quarters, the Bucks led the Clippers 87 to 62. So that game was pretty much over, right? Mm-hmm. The plus minus with Milwaukee with Giannis on the floor versus Milwaukee without Giannis on the floor was really eye-popping. I want you to take a guess on this one, Corbin. Milwaukee with Giannis on the floor in 24 minutes. What was their plus minus? It's probably something outlandish, but I'm going to say I'm going to be conservative and go like plus 19. Minus three. Wait, 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 what? Milwaukee without Giannis plus 28 in 12 minutes. Okay, I did not see. Whoa. Yes. So <laughs> see, I'm watching assuming, the game, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah. So assuming those numbers are correct, and Jovan does a tremendous job, Milwaukee with Giannis, minus three in 24 minutes, without Giannis, plus 28 in 12 minutes. The Clippers were outscored by 28 points in the 12 minutes that Giannis did not play in the first three quarters. That is really bad, and the Clippers cannot end up getting manhandled without the opponent's best player on the floor. You just can't. No, that's, like I said, I'm still kind of reeling from that myself. That is shocking. Yeah, but you really can't. I mean, it didn't even, wow. Especially when the role players on the Bucks are, are cashing in their shots, and they were. I mean, and that was off an off night from Brooke Lopez, who went over five from three. Ursanli Lasova, uh, he only took three, but I, I saw both of the misses didn't look great. So, wow. I mean, even off of that, that that's kind of crazy. You definitely got to get it done when the fulcrum of the team, you know, a leading candidate for MVP this year is not in the game. And to give that lead up even more so is, is kind of scary, but yikes. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. Uh, before we continue on, I got to tell you guys about the Bruce letter. Boy, Aaron Brewski, he's done it, man. He has absolutely done it. He spends his Sunday nights up until the crack of dawn, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. He's got a baby. He's writing still. 
He is writing an email newsletter for the entire season, exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else, not on the website, not in podcasts, not on social media. It's only going to go straight to your email. You can sign up to get it for free. If you haven't, what are you waiting for? Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. That's hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox every week. All right. So I want to bring up a tweet from someone at Fox Sports 1. And first of all, I want to preface it with Sports Talk Radio has completely gone off the deep end over the last couple of years. As podcasts have gotten more pop. As podcasts have gotten more popular, Corbin, it seems like sports talk radio has gotten worse and worse and worse and more hot takey, more hot takey, more hot takey. It's been really bad. But Nick Wright, who works for Fox Sports 1, and he used to fill in for Colin. Now he's got his own show. He is living and dying by this Kawhi rest thing and how Kawhi being load managed is ridiculous. Keep in mind that he's from the Houston area where James Harden is. And last I checked, James Harden has not been to the NBA Finals. And he needs to probably get there at some point. While Kawhi has already won a couple of titles. So, his tweet today. For those interested, the other alleged juggernaut in L.A. is about to fall to 3-6 and six on the road. Kawhi is shooting under 44% from the field and under 32% from three. Both career lows, by the way. But at least he's well-rested. Okay. So (laughs) here's my take on this. And I tweeted it out earlier. And I'm going to repeat what I tweeted. To judge Kawhi Leonard. And we are not even in January yet. Hell, we are not to December 7th yet. It is December 6th. And we're already judging Kawhi on a month and a half. On his new team with new players surrounding him with another star in Paul George that he's only played with about eight games. And we're going to start going after him because A, he's not shooting well, and B, because he's well-rested. What would the talking heads say if Kawhi Leonard were to be playing in these back-to-backs and be playing 35, 36 minutes per game, and then he got hurt? What are the Clippers doing? They should have followed Toronto's game plan. You take care of his legs. His knee obviously isn't healthy. Guess what? His knee isn't healthy, and you can tell that he's not 100% healthy. So to bash him for this rest thing is ridiculous. What say you, Corbin? I'm with you completely. I mean, you already said the talking heads are just outrageous. Uh, Nick Wright is a frequent um, – let's just say he's one of the frequent talking heads mentioned when we talk about the state of uh, sports talk um, in this modern age. But I agree. that That's kind of ridiculous to say there are so many other – mitigating factors that he does not bring up rust being not even the closest to one of them you could look at shot creation you could look at the way that the ball is being moved the way that the clippers are playing in general um his rhythm just being off on a new team with a new teammate that he just got you know less than 10 games with i mean there's so many other scenarios and situations that come up into play here that are a lot more tangible to bring up for why his shooting is slumped to where it is now. Increased defensive attention. Uh, I mean, you could bring up, this could go on and on. And it's kind of ridiculous that that would be the hot takey tweet of the night to kind of get the fan base riled up. But, I mean, that's what Nick Wright does. So, I'm not I'm not shocked by it. But, I mean, you, you definitely give a passionate rebuttal, Brandon. Because it, it, it doesn't make any sense what he was saying. And what you're saying is illogical uh, and, and makes complete sense. Like, I don't understand that is... 
even even for some sports shock value, that is something else. That is rich. Uh, okay. Like I understand that you get paid to make hot takes. I understand that. And really, I'm just calling this tweet out because it has a couple of things that I disagree with. But it also brings up two things that we've already talked about in this podcast, um, one of which is Kawhi shooting and how it's definitely been bad several mm-hmm. different nights. And it's a little concerning. But at the same time, we've talked about how the Clippers have not had many practices together. This is a team that's trying to figure, figure each other out. Kawhi Leonard has not played a whole lot outside of these games during the regular season. He didn't play anything much in the preseason at all. So it's really tough to judge anything. Now, the other thing is the rest thing. And with Kawhi Leonard, we're going to face this rest thing coming up. And for the Clippers schedule on this road trip, just to let everybody know what's coming up, Sunday's at the Wizards, Monday's at Indiana. That's a back-to-back. Kawhi's not going to play in one of them. Then at the end of the road trip, Friday and Saturday, at Minnesota, at Chicago. Kawhi's not going to play in one of them. I think we need to just get on board with the fact the Clippers are not in this to get the one seed. They're in this to get to the playoffs and win an NBA title. And to win an NBA title, you need to have your best players healthy. And that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, they're playing the long game. I mean, and, and any other or most NBA fans can see, okay, we're not doing this for right now. We're not doing this to claim the number one in the West that is packed and stacked. We're trying to get good positioning. We're trying to build uh, a team culture. We're trying to build good team habits to build for the grind of the playoffs where we know what Kawhi can do because we just saw him do it last year with the Paul George, with a deep team, and, and ultimately win the chip. So I'm not sure. Again, like you said, you know, you kind of got to come up with these hot takes and it's December 7th and, you know, the news is kind of dry, I guess. So might as well come up with some of that. At least it was before, you know, the New York fiasco. But the point being, it, it makes zero sense, and you're right. Like, you're not playing for that. This team is a great team. We already know that. They're a deep team. They're a championship favorite, as is. They're right now is just managing the health, managing the, the team, getting them into May, where the bread is really buttered. And it's worth noting the Clippers have already had several back-to-backs this season. So I believe they've already had at least three, and this will end up being a couple more on this road trip. So I think when all is said and done, they'll have around – nine to 10 the rest of the road trip at Washington at Indiana and then at Toronto at Minnesota at Chicago I think at the minimum Corbin I think you need to beat Washington Mm -hmm. you need to beat Minnesota you need to beat Chicago Indiana might be tough because of Miles Turner and Sabonis and Brogdon's been playing really well as well and then you have Jeremy Lamb TJ Warren they're a really good team and then at Toronto will obviously be tough as well I think at a minimum, you need to win three of the next five. What do you think? No, I'm right there with you. I don't see why they can't. Uh, you're right. The Washington is going to be a high-scoring game. I expect a lot of Clippers to get some uh, <laughs> some good points, much like the last one. Chicago, same thing. Yeah, the only two teams that you said are going to be difficult is Indiana because they have a, a good, tough, deep team. And we know Toronto for obvious reasons. Well, coach and a great team as is. So I, I kind of agree with you. Anything less than that would – it wouldn't really bother me super duper much, but it would because these are the teams you kind of have to beat. You kind of take care of business. Uh, and like you said, even with managing minutes and everything, these are still teams that you can beat. You want to take care of your business on the road. You want to get that kind of handled. So, yeah, um, I'm right there with you, Brandon. Can't disagree anywhere there. All right. So 
Before we uh, say goodbye, curious to get your take. Which game should Kawhi sit out? He's got at Washington, at Indiana. He's the first back-to-back. And then at Minnesota, at Chicago. Which of the games are you playing? Against Washington or against Indiana? I think you play against... Oh, that's a good one. I kind of want to say play against Indiana. Interesting. I'm going to say Washington. Uh-huh. You say, Go okay. Ahead. I'm interested. Say, oh. <laughs> Tell me why you want to say Indiana. Well, I mean, I kind of... you. I mean, okay, Washington, I don't think the Clippers – the way I'm looking at it, I want Kawhi to play against a team that, like, might give the Clippers some trouble. I don't see Washington as anything more than, like, a high-scoring affair that the Clippers will win by 10. Maybe by, like – they'll win by, like, 20 with Kawhi. I'd say they win by, like, 10 without him. 10, you know, maybe some, like, 7 or 8. But that game I feel they have in hand as is, where Indiana is a tougher team, and, and why not? If you want to grind for a win against a pretty good team – play Kawhi and Paul George together in that one and and get the W there. But I just don't think that you need him on the games that are kind of just light work. And I I consider Washington, you know, a good team and all, I guess, well, not really at all, but basically a good scoring team. I'll say that, but they bleed points. I I think Montrez could go off for like 35. You know what I mean? So that's why I was saying, let's keep Kawhi out for that one. And now I'll explain why I think that he should play against Washington. For that exact reason, they bleed points. It's a way to get your shot back, a way to get PG and Kawhi back together on the same page or together on the same page really for the first time. You're playing against a team that's not very good. It's basically like a scrimmage of sorts. You're not playing against a very tough defensive team in Indiana. This way, you play against Washington, you get him some solid numbers, you get his confidence back in his shot, and then you give him two days rest, Monday and Tuesday, before he heads back to Toronto, which will obviously be a little emotionally draining for him. But you get him a couple days off before that game against Toronto. That is why I think he should play in that Washington game. But I'll be curious to see if it actually does happen. Yeah, now I'm intrigued. That should be interesting. We'll have to keep our eyes on that one. (laughs) Because you made a great point. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and then you got at Minnesota, at Chicago. Um, I am going to say you play him against Chicago and not Minnesota. Uh, What do you think? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to say the same yeah. thing. I'm going to kind of use your reasoning, but also, why not? Like, <laughs> Chicago does seem to be one that you get him in there and, and, and sit out one that could be a little tricky there. Yeah, the reason why I say that, yeah, because mm-hmm. you look at Wednesday, then that game against Minnesota is a Friday. So if you sit him out Tuesday, if you sit him out Thursday, Friday, and then you play him against Saturday or play him against Chicago on Saturday, then he gets a day of rest on Monday uh, and then plays Phoenix on Tuesday. I think it's just a way to get him a little more rest after that Toronto game. But I wouldn't be surprised. It seems like what we've been seeing is that he plays in the first game of the back-to-back. So he plays against Washington. They'll probably play against Minnesota. But we'll have to see. Some final, uh, Any final words about today's game, apart from the fact that Doc definitely said he was going to take out his starters after the third quarter, but apparently he was talked into playing them just for a little bit to see if they can cut into the deficit, and they couldn't. So good for Doc for managing these guys' minutes. That's a... My final (laughs) words on this game is that it's just one game, everybody. Calm down. I know it was a bad loss. 119-91 in Milwaukee is not great. They should be able to bounce back in this game against Washington. I'm very optimistic about that one. Final words from you, Corbin. Uh, Right there with you. Keep up the faith. I mean, it was just a tough game. The the Bucks were juiced up. It was Giannis's birthday. I'm sure the birthday boy had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in the tank to prove against one of the elite West teams. It'll be fine. It'll all work out. You're playing for the long game. 
take it one day at a time. Obviously, you want to see a better performance, but guess what? There's going to be times where guys just aren't hitting shots and just don't have their rhythm, and that can happen. So it did, and now you have a kind of easier stretch coming up and uh, just a couple wins to get the Clippers' rhythm back. It'll, it'll be fine. Indeed, it will. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at BD Marcus. You can follow the podcast at Hoopball Clips. Corbin, where can people find you? Oh, check me at Corbin MBA. Simple and plain. There you plain. go. Simple and plain. At Corbin MBA, at BD Marcus, at Hoopball Clips. This has been the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Again, apologies for the audio. It will be better next time. I will not be in a hotel room in Utah. Have a good one, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.